Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you that your word is life. Thank you that your word changes lives. Do something powerful in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Like I said, I'm going to start a series. The series is borrowed from a pastor, mentor of mine called Rick Warren. And I have worked with him somewhat to look after Southeast Asia uh, over the last seven years. And uh, learned a lot from him as one who has, carries a burden for the health of the church. He wrote the series. This is from him, but it's through my heart, through my heart. And the series is called How to Prepare for a Life Reset or Resetting Your Life resetting your life. Oftentimes, your browser history gets too overloaded. Your cache gets too overloaded. Your phone gets too overloaded. You know, your heart gets too overloaded. Your memories get too overloaded. Every now and then you need a timeout and a reset. Every now and then you need to hit the reboot button and start all over again. Uh, you don't want to change your life completely, but you want somewhat of a fresh start, a new beginning, a stop and go. You want some sort of a change. Everybody needs it. <coughs> and that's what the word reset means. That's what it means. To make a fresh start, a new start, a new beginning. And 2023 is coming around the corner. 2023, new year. No COVID in 2023. Yeah, touch wood. It's going to be a good year. You're going to put some plans in place. You're going to lose some weight. You're going to make some friends. You're going to do things differently. You're going to put some habits in place. Everyone wants a new beginning. And what better than 1st of Jan? But the question is, what's going to happen on 3rd of Jan? <clears throat> and by 30th of January, that's it. Gandhi's over. So how do you make sure that when you do the reset, it stays in place? How do you set some things in place for the reset, prepare for the reset in such a way that you don't fail, that you don't lose out, that you don't forget? And we want to be a church where we have many resets. <coughs> if you're resetting over and over again, it's okay. Because God wants you to do that. He wants a new reset every now and then. A new year is a good time. A birthday is a good time. Any time is a good time to say, stop, turn around, let's reset. God loves resets. And there's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't invalidate the previous reset. It doesn't make you a hypocrite. It doesn't make you someone who failed. Resetting is always saying to yourself, you know what, stop, let me check. I don't think I like the way, the trajectory, the direction, the, the purpose, or the impetus of my life, the, the momentum. Of, I, I want to change things. I want to I make some new changes. I want a new me. Sometimes it's a complete overhaul, and sometimes it's a tweak. <coughs> Anybody feeling me here? Anybody getting, getting the understanding of where I'm going with this? And we, as a congregation, we as a church, as a society, as a community, are a place for second chances. We're a place for second chances. Second chance place of grace. A second chance place of grace. A community where they will give you a chance and again and again and again. Because you need it. 
and I need it because I'm going to fail and I'm going to stumble and I need a community that will not point fingers, need a community that will lift me up, need a community that will help me. Tell me what's wrong with you by sh for sure, but then help me through that. Tell me what's wrong with me, but then give me a way out. Take me by the hand, lead me on. Tell me how to go about my way. Let me take you to scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23 and 24. You've learned, you've, you've, you're acquainted what you've learned about Jesus in regard to your former way of life. That's before you became a believer, before you handed your life over to Jesus, before you trusted Jesus with your future and your forgiveness. And he says, you've put off your old self and been made new in the attitudes of your mind. Because that's where you win. In the attitudes of your mind. That's what needs to change. So the putting on and the putting off is the attitudes <coughs> before anything else. And he says, put on the new self created to be like God. Put on the new self created to be like God. True, truly good and holy. Truly good and holy. So how do I reset my life? How do I reset my life? Whether you're in retirement, whether you are in midlife, whether you are starting out, whether you're in your 20s or teens, or no matter where you're at, in different times, in different places, in different places in our life, you're going to want to need a reset. You're going to want to start again. In other words, preliminary things you need to get ready for to reset your life. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Four steps. If you're taking notes, four steps. And if you're not taking notes, I'm going to send the notes to you, Jabardasti. So by the end of the service, you're going to get in your WhatsApp, you're going to get notes. Okay? God says, God says, are you really serious about making the change? Are you really serious? You're asking me, are you really serious about making the change? The first step is to ask God to do something new in my life. I have one boy, and usually around Christmas time, he asks for gifts. He doesn't just give, get gifts, he asks for it. And I have to go shopping for him. When he was a kid. But when he asked for something, I never took him seriously. Until he asked me at least four times. And when he's asked for fourth time over a period of a month or two months, then I know he's serious about it. That's when I go to work. I'm like, oh, this guy's not forgetting this stuff. He really wants this. But when he asks once, because we're in the mall, because we're right in front of everything, because he can see it, it's called impulsive. He sees it, he wants it. You know, he smells it, he wants it. I'm not going to give you everything you want. But if you're really serious about it, You'll ask me, and you'll ask me twice, and you'll ask me three times over a period of time, and when I know you're serious about it, I'm going to start getting serious with you. Same thing goes with you and me in prayer. And when we ask God, we want to be consistent, and we want to ask seriously. So God's asking you, do you really want to change in life? You'd like a change. <coughs> You'd like to start off anew, or you want new circumstances to live the same old life. Or you don't want the, the consequences of the previous mistakes. You want me to remove the consequences and then have a new life, but you don't want to change yourself. You see what I'm saying? God knows us. He knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. When he says, do you want something done in your life? And you're asking, Lord, make a change in my life. It is to be serious. 
I want to be a different guy. You see this about that? A different woman, a different girl. A man of God, a woman of God. I want to be different. I want to change. I want 2023 to be more powerful than 2022. Are you serious about breaking <clears throat> some of the old habits? I need you to tell me, God is saying. I'll go to work in your life, but I need to know that you are serious about it. Revelation chapter 21 verse 5 says, I'm making everything new. That's God. That's what he does. He's in the business of starting up again. He's in the business of renewing your life, making you new again. He wants you to be new. He doesn't give out the old, throw away the old, and discard the old. He loves you, and he values you, and he wants to take you as you are, but change the trajectory of your life, change the purpose of your life, change the, 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 the people in your life, perhaps make you a little bit more focused on who you can be for him. Psalm 51, which our sister just read for us, verse 10 says, God, make a fresh start in me. God, make a fresh start in me. And this is the message version. It says, shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. And I know you're sitting there thinking, that's me. Oh God, that's me. Last week was chaotic. Forget about 2022. My thoughts are chaotic. I can't go to sleep because my thoughts won't let me. I can't wake up in the morning because I'm dog tired. And you know, some of you know that you're there. Some of you know that you want some changes in that area. God, make a fresh start in me. Make a fresh start in me. Interesting, Psalm 51, which uh, Twinkle read, was a Psalm of David. The Psalm he wrote when he was confessing his sin about Bathsheba was Psalm 32. And then Psalm 51 is when he had dealt with the whole thing and now he was right with God and he's saying, now clean me, restore me, get me right, give me back your spirit. Because that was the Old Testament way of doing things. And God was dealing with David. David was a king and David had just committed the two biggest sins. The two biggest sins. David had gone and stolen another man's wife and he had gone and killed the husband. It doesn't get worse than that. And this man was guilty of that kind of a sin. Now he was back to God and he says, I might have done that, but I hate myself for that. And I will keep hating myself for that until you renew me, until you renew a right spirit in me. Now the message you and I get from this is essentially, if David can be forgiven, you can be forgiven. If God can manage David and God can at the end of his life say, he was a man after my own heart. He was a man after my own heart. If God can restore David, God can restore you. We're all far gone and we're all fallen. We're all desperately in need of his fixation, of his, of his, of his cleansing work, of, his, of the word that flows through us and cleanses us. None of us are okay. Even the okay part of us is not okay because it's not our okay, it's his okay. That's another word for holiness. There is no holiness in me. If there is any holiness, it's the holiness of Christ poured into me as I commune with him on a daily basis. Are you working with me on this? You understand where I'm going with this? Guilt is good if you consider it like pain because pain tells you there's something wrong and something wrong sends you to the doctor and the doctor says, here's the prescription, here's the diagnosis, this is how to get better. Here's a life that moves you out of that same inflammation. No one is too far gone and you can get a fresh start. You can get a fresh start and what I'm talking about right now is the beginning of the entire series, the three-part series and I'll cover some of this even in 2023 
because I want us to finish the whole thing. I don't want us to set things in place, forget about it, and then go back and default to what we always were like. You can get a free, fresh start. You can get a life reset starting today. If you will come to God and say, God, I need you to start something new in my life. I'm carrying too much baggage. Is that you? I'm carrying too much baggage. I'm carrying too much sin, too much guilt, too many regrets. I should have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I wish I said this. I wish I said that. Why did it happen that way? Why? I'm just carrying too much. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. It's my emotions. It's my thoughts. It's my actions. It's my choices. Lord, I need a reset. And I don't just need a reset. I need a reset with a plan. I need to start something that is going to sustain. Listen to me, brothers and sisters, my friend. Your past is your past. It's over. It's gone. 2022 is never coming back again. And the you of 2022 is gone. It's never coming back again. And you are a product of your past. But you're not a prisoner of your past. You're a product of your past, but you are not. Your failure isn't final. Your failure isn't final, but God's forgiveness is final. The Lord says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Instead, look at the new things I am going to do in you, with you. He talks to the uh, nation of Israel in the book of Isaiah. They are already starting to happen. Look around you. Watch the news. See, I'm doing a new thing in your life. See, I've already begun to do something. We don't ask. We don't ask God. God, do something new in my life. Because we take the whole thing upon ourselves. We have got to do it. We can do it. you got Instagram. you got every motivational speaker. you got everyone telling you, you can do it. Put your mind to it. Have cold showers. Get under the ice. Do radical stuff to kind of bring your body under control. By the way, that's all good. All that stuff is good. Don't freeze to death, but that stuff is good. Okay, all of it is good because it gives wisdom and understanding from science and from people around us and all of it is good, great, but that's for life on earth. Remember what I talked about last week, we are not here on earth, we are living on a different realm. Have we asked God? Have we asked him specifically? James chapter four verse two says, you do not have what you want because you don't ask. Specifically, you don't ask for it. Generally, you ask for it, but you don't specifically ask for it. Point number two, pinpoint specifically what I want changed in me. What do I want God to do in my life? How do I want him to come in and transform me? Now, if I'm going to ask him to change my room, I'm going to have to adjust with my room. I'm going to have to let some things go. If I'm going to ask him to change my wardrobe, I'm going to have to give up my favorite shirt. I'm going to have to give up maybe my favorite jeans. You, know, you get where I'm going with this? So when you ask him for change, you're going to have to work with the changes he does bring about because you're not going to like it. You are not going to like it. Pinpoint, what is it that you want God to change? What have you been struggling with? Is it, an, is it a relationship or the way you deal with relationships? 
Is it a kind of faith area of, uh, that you're just not able to come to terms with? What, what is it? What, what do you want in your life that needs God's attention? And when you say, God, do it, you're saying, God, I want your power because I can't do it. You're, I want your wisdom because my wisdom isn't enough. I want your foresight and insight because I can't see through the rest of this. Look closely at yourselves, it says in 2 Corinthians. Test yourselves to see if you are real, really living in the faith. Really living. You have to look at every area of your life. Between now and 1st of January, take time. Me and God. How's that going? How's it going? Me and God. My health and my body. Just call up healthians or, or bath labs or whatever. Do a test. Just check. Check the stuff you cannot see. I'm feeling okay, but I'm feeling, yeah, you may feel okay. But you might be deficient in vitamin D. Or you may have too much vitamin D. D for denial. My health, my body, what about my priorities? What have been my priorities? How do I ascertain my priorities? What about a relationship? Are all my key relationships speaking into my life, building me up or tearing me down, taking me away from God or bringing me closer to God, strengthening me or weakening me? My energy levels, my career, my thought life, my marriage, my routines, my habits, my parenting, my schedule, my confidence. Have you taken a hit? Have you had a breakup? Have you failed in something? Have you lost an exam or, or failed an exam or perhaps had an accident? You know your confidence goes for a six after that, yeah? The moment you have an accident, you don't want to touch the car. And your confidence takes, gets rattled a little bit. And maybe you need a reset in your confidence. My finances, my dreams, what? what? What do you want God to work in? Have you nailed it? Do you know what it is? And that's what we're talking about. And for those of you who don't have any area in your life you want God to work, there's a verse for you. Here it is. Do not think you are better than you really are. Decide what you really are by the amount of faith that God has given to you. Okay? Moving on. What was the first one? Does anybody remember? Ask God to do something new in your life. Number two, pinpoint clearly what are the areas. Lord, it's my finances. I, I really need to fix my finances. Lord, it's my, it's my thought life. Or Lord, it's my, my confidence. Whatever it is. You tell him and he'll come alongside you and he will reset your life going forward. But you put in place the right things. Number three, Pre preliminaries, these are preliminaries. These are things you want to put in place so that you don't default. So that you don't default. Number three is find some people to support my reset. Find some people to, to support my reset. They've got to support your reset. Not question it, not hold you accountable, not blame you, not criticize you, but support your reset. They are there to see you win. They are there to see you win to see you succeed. You need other people in your life. And God, listen to me, this is going to be difficult to swallow, but God has wired us so that we don't get better. So that we don't get better on our own. God has wired us so we don't get healthy. So that we don't get whole, we don't get healed until we get other people involved in our lives. Why? Because that requires humility. And every one of us, no, I'll do it on my own. I'll figure this out. I, I'll, I'll figure this out. I'm going to, I'll work it out. I'm, I'm going to do it on my own. Everybody wants to do it on their own and then come and present themselves 
to the church, to the family, to the small group, to their band, to the uh, professional colleagues. No, you need people. Somebody you need to let into your life who will carry you through this. And it requires humility. It means you need other people. And as long as you think you can do it on your own, it's not going to work. If you could, you would have. But you can't, so you don't. You could, you would have. But you can't, so you don't. Why is it important to find some people to support my reset? Couple of verses. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated by two, but two instead can stand back to back. And you know that phrase, I've got your back? I've got your back? That's a powerful military phrase. So one's got like this, and one's got like this, and that way you have four eyes, and then you're, you've got a 360. You're safer that way, and you don't get knocked out easily. You need somebody. Somebody who's designated, somebody who's your friend in that area. If one person falls, another can reach out and help, and the other person uh, alone, if he's alone, he's going to fall, and he's on his own if he's in real trouble if he falls alone. There's no one's going to be there to pick him up. You will fall in the recess. You will fail in the reset. You will make mistakes, and you're not perfect, and none of us are. So even 2023 is going to be a year of? Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. It's okay. What you need is people. What you need is to get back up again. What you need to understand is your past is your past, but your future is God's story. Your future is his story. And when you're moving in the... In the, in, in the direction of the future, you need to hang with the person who knows what the future looks like, for whom the future is the past, and that's God. I want to hang with God. I want to learn from God. I want to get wisdom from God because he knows what 2024 is already going to be like. So I make decisions in 2022 that will affect 2024 wisely, and I do that because I have an upper advantage with God in heaven. You will fail. And in your desire to be a different person, a different man or a different woman, uh, a godly woman or a godly man, you will fail. You're going to fall. It's not going to be consistent. You may do well for a little while, but you need other people in your life. You need a small group. You need three or four people who are just there and everybody's struggling the same struggle. Everybody's struggling the same struggle. You can't go to your professional uh, colleagues about your spiritual life. You can't do that. You can't go to your family sometimes about your spiritual life because everybody... Very few people want to talk to you about your spiritual life because in that, they feel bad about their own spiritual life. Do you get that? Do you get that? And because they're dealing with their own gunk, their own guilt, they don't want to deal with yours. Now you have to go to somebody who has already handed over their gunk and guilt to Jesus. So they're able to help you hand it over as well. And that's called fellowship. That's called fellowship. Community is God's antidote to discouragement, to defeat, and to failure. Community is God's antidote. He made you so that you need people and he gives you people. And if the people in your life are tearing you down, if they're a burden to you, if they're a struggle for you, if they're holding you back, if they're more jealous than a blessing to you, then maybe you need to change the kind of people that you've welcomed into your life. Maybe you need to ask God to bring in some real people with real faith, with real change. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs each other. Romans chapter 12 verse 5. You see, your physical family is not going to last. Your physical family will grow up. 
The kids will grow up, they'll get married, they'll move away. They'll form their own families and they'll send you letters and they'll visit now and then. You may get divorced, you may separate, some may die. Your physical families do not last. But your spiritual family, your church, your home group, your small group, they're there forever. They're there forever. The contents might change, but you'll always have a spiritual family, always dedicated to the same spiritual goals. And these are the other believers in the family who are going to heaven with you, whether you like it or not. You're going to see these faces in heaven. You better get used to that. And here's the bottom line. I mean, this is my point. My point is simply this. If you're, if you're going to be connected to people, you better be connected to the people you're going to spend eternity with. That, that connection is the most important connection. Are you going to like them? No. Are you going to love hanging out with them? Not necessarily. But they are your family. And they leave you better off spiritually when you're done fellowshipping with them. You need your family. They are more than your real family. They're God's family. So your commitment to the body of Christ is more important because it's the only relationship that's going to last forever. It's the only relationship that's going to last forever. So the Bible says, let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Let's meet. Hey, let's do coffee. Hey, that's what Starbucks is for. Let's meet. Let's get together. What is it? A couple of coffee. How much does that cost? The three of us get together. Pray in Starbucks. Everybody will think you're looking for something. They might even join. Right? Make it intentional. Let's be honest. Can we be honest? Just you and me. Just, this is just between you and me and everybody online. COVID was a small group killer. I have struggled to be a pastor, to be your pastor, to be a pastor to so many, some, so many other pastors. I have struggled to carry the church through 21 and 22. <laughs> because COVID was a small group killer. It was a church attendance killer. Do you remember when we first opened the doors, the first time we met here? Do you remember that one? All four and a half of you came. Oh, it was so depressing. And we couldn't do anything about it either because government also is like, how many people? Did you count how many people? One, two, three, four, half. We didn't even meet for a year and a half. Most of us were on Zoom. And half of those on Zoom were only logged in. And you just put the password on there and you left. You were doing dishes, you were writing books, you were sleeping. Some people were like that. We know where that was. And Zoom was great. But what did it do for us? It killed our faith. We need people. We need the warmth of people. And if there's one thing I learned after 30 years of ministry experience, if there's one thing I learned, you could be a great preacher, you could put out all the best material, you could cry, you could laugh, you could give out the best incentives, you could send stinkers. Have you received any of my stinkers? You could send stinkers by WhatsApp saying, guilt trip everybody into it, but you put five believers together and magic happens. Absolute magic happens. We need fellowship. 
And fellowship has a way of bringing us closer to God like nothing else. God has not asked you to follow him individually. He's asked you as a group. He's asked you as a church. He's asked you as a bride to follow him. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing in all of you. He's always talking spiritually, uh, plurally. We didn't meet for a year and a half. We were separated. And a lot of those people who stopped coming to church during that time broke the habit and didn't come back. They didn't come back. Now is the time to get back involved. Now is the time to get back involved. Get back to church. That means the, 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 the Sunday morning experience, <clears throat> the Sunday morning worship experience, the Sunday morning group experience. It is a struggle. It is a hard thing. It is a compromise. It is a sacrifice. It is not easy. Sunday morning is not easy. It's not easy for the sound team that comes at 8.30 and leaves their home at 7 o'clock in the morning. It's not easy for those who are setting up the whole thing for you. It's not easy for moms and dads to bring their children. It's not easy to wake up on a Sunday morning when it's the only day off. It's not easy to give half the day to church when you just have to feel like you're obligated to do it. It's not easy to come and almost all of it is irrelevant to your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's not easy when the people in the church are critical or the worship was dull or the service or the traffic was bad or there's elections. It's not easy. It was not easy, but you did it. Once upon a time, you did it, and you must still continue to do it because it is important to God. Two reasons. Number one, when we gather together, it is a witness that God and his church have a relationship, that God and his church have a relationship. Zoom doesn't cut it. Getting on church on live, live church or, you know, uh, attending church on Zoom is like, you know, watching a fireplace on the TV. You can see all the crackles and the sparks and everything, but you don't feel the warmth. You gotta come here, and you gotta come long enough and, 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 and regularly enough to begin to feel connected. You've gotta begin to feel connected. And who am I talking to? I'm talking to those who struggle. Who struggles? Everybody struggles. It's hard for me. It's hard for me. And all of us need to rethink, reset our minds going into 2023. Is it gonna be a priority or not? Period, decide. Is it going to be a priority or not? Is it hard to have children's exams on Monday morning? Children's uh, tests or tuitions on a Sunday afternoon? Is it hard? Yes, it is hard. Is the long travel from wherever you're coming hard? Yes, it is hard. It's all hard. But Jesus didn't go to the cross because it was convenient. And that's not a guilt trip I'm putting on you. I'm saying that what Jesus expects from us, he has already given. And God wants us to put fellowship first because we need people. And in, this, then in that context, you're going to find the two or three friends that are going to help you get through the reset. You get what I'm saying? That's the community you're going to get, the people to support you. That's where the encouragement is. The fourth thing you wanna keep in mind, the fourth question you wanna ask yourself is, what do I eliminate from my life? Eliminate anything that is unhelpful and unhealthy. People, situations, People in your life who are unhealthy to you. You have one or two people. Their thinking is toxic. Their emotions are toxic. They drain you. These people could be real. They could be in your WhatsApp group. They could be in your building. They could be in your work team at office. Or they could be in your favorite TV show. And they are toxic. And they drain you. 
and you're hooked on them because some scientific juices go through your body and I'm not going to get into that. But they go through you and you are hooked on that show at the same time it drains the life out of you. And it gives you a way of thinking and it, it, it numbs you to murder, to rape, to, to uh, in, uh, um, relationships and, and, and cheating and, and gossiping and lying to one another. Those shows are rampant with all of that. And the reason it is successful entertainment is because they are sinning for you. You're paying them to sin for you. That way you don't have to feel the guilt, but you feel the pleasure. It's called voyeurism. And we get hooked on these things. Maybe there's a person in your life, and every time that woman calls, every time that guy calls, you're like, oh, God, I must. But you still have to listen. And then they let out all their gunk on you, and now you're carrying yours and theirs. And then you let it out on your children. The children let it out on the dog. We should remove anything from our lives that would get in the way and the sin that so easily besets us. Eliminate people, eliminate, eliminate people. Eliminate, you don't owe them nothing. You don't owe them anything. Eliminate people. If they have not been good for your spiritual life, if they've not been good for your, for your health, your mental health and your, eliminate them. Do some serious pruning in your life. Not your husband or wife. That's not allowed. For them, you bring them to church. We will illuminate them. We must get rid of everything that slows down our progress, especially the sin that just won't let go. That's Hebrews. Let's run the race. Let's run the unencumbered. Let's run the race. Let's run the race. Who are those people in your life? What's that media? Do you need to get off Instagram? Do you need to get off Facebook for a while? WhatsApp, you know the WhatsApp Academy? WhatsApp Academy, all the, oh, oh, this is happening. Did you see this? Forward, forward, forward. Why are you forwarding me those things? I don't want to see your stuff. Why are you forwarding me? I can already see that it's been forwarded many times. What, are they paying you? Why do you think I need to see that? And if I was already able to see it, it would have been in the Bible. Get that? Never mind. The WhatsApp Academy, it's scaring everybody. Christians are converting everyone. <laughs> if that were the case, Muslims, be careful, Muslims, oh, Muslims, Muslims are, oh yeah, really? There's lies everywhere. We don't even check. This pastor is being beaten up. It wasn't a pastor. It was not a pastor. It was some guy who shouldn't have done what he did and he got thrashed quite rightfully. And somebody took a video and now it's circulating in the US that some pastors get, come on. We'll open the Bible and question it and we'll list, open WhatsApp and believe it. Did I touch a nerve today? Good. Sometimes guilt is good. What do I need to get rid of or let go of in order to prepare for the new me? Here's the scripture. You used to live according to selfish desires. You used to live according to selfish desires when your life was dominated by them. But now you must get rid of these things. What? Anger, 
hot temper, hating others, no insults, filthy talk must come out of your lips. It must not come out of your mouth. Never stop lying to each other for you have put off the old self, those attitudes. Now we, we checked in the first verse, Ephesians chapter 4, 22, 23, 24, and put on the new self as Colossians chapter 3, verse 7 through 10 says. The Hebrew word for reset says, I'm going to put a new foundation made of rubies under you. God values a powerful valuable foundation and God is the one who's going to do that. He's going to lift you up and he's going to put and reinforce a solid foundation under you. That's because that's your life and he values it. So when someone becomes a believer, a follower of Christ, he's a brand new person. 2 Corinthians 5 17. He's a brand new person. He is not the same anymore. My brothers and sisters, my friends, God wants to reset your life and he wants to do it with you. He wants to help you and he needs you to ask him. He needs you to pinpoint what you want. He needs you to let some people into your life. And he needs you to. Remove whatever is hindering you. These are the four things you can begin to prepare. Prepare. Start thinking, what are the things I need to do? What do I need to ask God? Write it down and start asking every day. Lord, I'm serious about this. Start asking every day. Would you bow your heads in just a moment? Because you know, every time scripture is preached, every time God's word is proclaimed, somebody is hit. Somebody gets it. Not everyone, but somebody gets it. And maybe you're the one saying, Lord, it's me. Lord, it's me. I'm the one who needs that change. And this change happens in the power of God's presence and under prayer. So you state what you want changed or what you're willing to begin, what you're going to ask God. And I will pray for you so that as a community, we are together in your transformation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you ask God. Lord, I can't get rid of that relationship. I need your strength. Lord, I'm tired of being broke. I want to give. I want to be generous. Lord, I need a reset in my finances. Oh God, I'm carrying too much guilt. Guilt that I'm not a good mother. Guilt that I'm not a good wife. Guilt that I'm not a good woman of God. Men. You're ashamed of your thoughts. You're ashamed of, of your constant pull to the negative, to the bleak, to the darkness. You, you decide. Tell God. Ask God. Father in heaven, we cannot do it without you. We cannot do it without you. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. Lord, we need your people and we need your love and your support. There's going to be a little bit of open heart surgery. There's going to be a little bit of exposure. There's going to be a few tissues tearing and it's going to hurt maybe. But if we come into the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin 
the lord covers our sin he does not expose it he covers it he seeks to forgive and he calls us back into relationship with him he says come boldly into the presence of god come boldly why because jesus went ahead of us and he sprinkled his very own blood on the mercy seat and having done that once and for all he sat down so our sin is taken care of and no matter what is left of our lives god is able to take it and renovate it and renew it and recharge it and reset it and god you're going to do that today today you're going to do that because these people are asking you and i'm asking you do what they're asking you to do because i've just challenged them to ask you honor your word honor your promise oh god to your people we need the power of god flowing through our veins we need the power of god in our families in our family in our marriages in our relationships in our workplace we need you oh god to reach out and touch us where we can't even see we're broken oh god we need you and our pride don't get me started on that lord our pride our denial our thinking we're doing great especially us men oh god have mercy the back that's not willing to bend to jesus the heart that's not willing to open itself to loved ones around the hands that are not willing to protect oh god i need a reset and i cannot do it on my own jesus help me I'm Jeremy Dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you could do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know write a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe